Better, smarter, faster. The neural network needed to power the digital ecosystem of healthcare is poised to transform care both inside and outside of hospital walls in traditional care settings. Meaningful data analytics positioned in real time to drive better diagnostics, intelligent operations, seamless care coordination, and integrated telehealth. This is the future of connected healthcare. We talk to the experts about transformational roadmaps for this evolving landscape, what's working, what's needed, and how we get there together. Welcome to Healthcare On Air, presented by Verizon. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to our podcast, Healthcare On Air by Verizon. I'm Leah Sims, the marketing strategy lead from Verizon's healthcare practice. We are recording right now live from the Hims show floor, Hims 2023 in Chicago. If you're here this week, we'd love for you to come by our booth, booth 4048, where we can talk to you about our solutions and what we're building in the healthcare ecosystem with our partners. I'm joined today by some great folks from University of Rochester Medical Center, uh, Michael Hasselberg and Dr. Greg Nicandri, and my colleague, Karen Finger, who is an innovation principal with Verizon's healthcare practice. Welcome, everybody. Thanks so for Greg, I'd us. love Thank to start you. with you and tell us what you do for URMC uh, and what you're working on. So I'm an orthopedic surgeon and the chief medical information officer. Uh, my main role is really helping our system deploy new technologies uh, throughout the system and, and helping with adoption from providers, nurses, uh, doctors, and our and our staff. Wonderful. Hi, thanks Leah for having me, Michael Asselberg. I'm the Chief Digital Health Officer and my role, I get to work with Greg and others to set the overarching strategy for our di digital transformation at the University of Rochester. And then I have the fun job of getting to co-lead the innovation arm of our health system. Wonderful. Karen. Uh, hello, thanks for having me, thanks for joining us. Uh, Karen Finger, I'm on our healthcare innovation team, so uh, I work with our health systems, our payers, our med tech companies to help with strategy and acceleration of digital care across the ecosystem, so helping to really build those connected health platforms to improve health outcomes. Awesome, so you both mentioned innovation uh, in your role there. How are you driving innovation in healthcare models and uh, delivery, care delivery transformation today. I, I just would leave that open and how, how, how would you describe the work that you're doing today? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in on that. You know, one of the things that makes the University of Rochester Medical Center unique is we're one of only a handful of health systems, academic health systems left in the country that still fully integrated into its parent university. So what does that mean? Well, I have an innovation team that uh, under one roof, I have faculty from our engineering school and our computer science department and data science institute and school of music and business school under the same roof as faculty from the medical school, dental school and nursing school. And we're tasked to you know, use design thinking and agile methodologies to fall you know, solve fundamental problems that our health system is trying to overcome for our community that we serve. That's wonderful. Where are you seeing some of that impact clinical practice? So I think clinically, you know, our, our initial uh, digital strategy that uh, Michael and I worked on together really focused on three phases. There was uh, the access piece, engagement, and then uh, value. And so the last couple of years, we've really been working on access, uh, helping our patients find providers, uh, get checked in electronically, um, doing the kind of omni-channel experience that folks are really looking for in terms of uh, telehealth and on-demand uh, visits. Um, but really in the last year, um, due to 
kind of just the, the nursing shortage and some of the physician burnout and uh, staff burnout, uh, we've really kind of pivoted our strategy more towards uh, things that can actually help um, providers uh, and nurses uh, with um, improved experience delivering care. And so we've um, started to partner with more um, technologies and innovations in that area. Do you have some examples? You can share. So I think the things that we're really excited about are, are um, really the kind of early uh, stuff with generative AI. So starting to really work on um, one of the biggest things, at least in my arm, for physician burden uh, is really documentation. Uh, yeah. We spend almost 50% of our time doing documentation, and um, the large language models have gotten so good now. Um, we're we're piloting one in, in orthopedics where. Um, you just have a natural conversation with your patient, with your iPhone sitting in between you, and when you're done with the visit, you walk out of the room and your note is completely done in a normal SOAP format without really any need for uh, much editing. Probably edit maybe two out of 10 of the, uh, of the notes, and the patient feedback is phenomenal. They're, my doctor paid attention to me. He was looking right at me. Um, they really really like that technology. That's pretty powerful. I started my career in medical transcription, so I've transcribed probably a lot of the records you're talking about and have watched that evolution uh, over the years and the way technology has really automated that is pretty amazing. Um, so we could talk a lot about uh, the decentralization of care, this extension of care out of, outside of the four walls of healthcare, right? Um, traditional care settings. Uh, we certainly saw an accelerated adoption of telehealth and virtual care models. Um, and a lot of players in this area, you know, really looking at how to innovate. Where is innovation working? And you mentioned AI, that's obviously a, a star everyone is hitching their wagon to on healthcare right now, but it's probably not the only one. Um, and where are the gaps, would you say? So Michael, let's, let's start with you, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, you know, I, I started my career on the digital side in, in telehealth, um, you know, back early 2000s when telehealth wasn't a cool thing or reimbursed. So I, I, I wouldn't say telehealth is so much innovative, but it, but it has been transformative. Yeah. Um, you know, we've saw during the pandemic, you know, how we were able to increase access to some of our most vulnerable patient populations. Um, and not only did we increase access, you know, we improved outcomes. They, these patients became more engaged. They didn't end up in the emergency department more often than folks that were coming in person. And they actually had lower costs in regards to imaging and, and labs and tests ordered. Um, the thing that we, however, learned during that experience, and you know, I'm speaking through the lens of the University of Rochester, where we serve a very large geography. You know, probably what you know, the largest health system in New York State outside of New York City, and so, you know, we serve right from the inner city of Rochester. It looks like any mid-sized city, but you go 20 miles out, and it is very rural and, yeah. and very, you know, much farmland. And in our rural areas uh, of the state, you know, we, we have really the highest poverty in those areas. And what we learned during pandemic times was these patients, they engaged in telehealth, but there's a caveat to that. They were only engaging audio only. They weren't engaging yeah. in, in video. And, you know, we, we did a deeper dive into that data to really understand what was happening. And, and, and most people, the first thing they would jump to is, well, there's no broadband out in uh, rural areas. That was not the case uh, in our area. There was broadband, and our state has made a significant investment of getting that infrastructure out there. It was our patients in 
these communities, they could not afford internet in their home. And the only internet access they had were the data plans on their cellular phones. And we know that video is, is data intensive and folks didn't want to use their data plans to um, do a video visit. And so, you know, I think where innovation is, is moving now is, you know, where can we capture these patients, create access points for them in these communities where they're already doing their daily journeys, where we know that there's that these access points are broadband enabled and you know we can deliver care to those sites. So, you know, it's kind of fun watching the new market entrance into healthcare and watching the Walmart Health of the World, the Dollar Generals of the World, the CVS Health of the World. Um, you know, there there's something to that of delivering care into grocery stores and yeah. to pharmacies and into barbershops or libraries. And so I think when you think of telehealth and where the innovation of the future is going to be, it's going to be around, you know, sites of care because yeah. not everyone can do it in their home. Exactly. Right. Karen, thoughts on that? Yeah, no, to piggyback on a lot of what Michael said. And when we first met, I was blown away. Michael reached me, uh, reached out to me on LinkedIn. So thank you, LinkedIn. <laughs> and, um, yes. um, you know, you blew me away with all the analytics that you were showing me. You probably got a lot of that from, from Greg, maybe I imagine but just around your patient population and the, you know, the different demographics um, uh, really was, was quite, I had not seen that much level of detail, even you know, who had coverage, who didn't, even by wireless carrier, happy to save Verizon, you know, ranked on top. So we started talking and brainstorming ideas and I think you know, our role here at Verizon, we're the enabler, we help build those interconnected platforms. So connecting like the physical touch points that Michael mentioned, connected you know, to the mobile devices for care anywhere, bringing that together securely. You know, you asked about gaps, Leah, so security is still a big gap in the yep. ecosystem and sure a concern. Is. You know, health systems are, you know, the number one target for ransomware attacks. And then as we have the proliferation of all these med tech devices and IoT devices, um, those need to be secured. Um, you know, the FDA just came out with something saying that, um, you know, new uh, medical devices won't get FDA approval unless they can prove that they have a cybersecurity program wrapped around them. So that's another role yeah. or a gap that we can help fill. Um, lastly, just the supporting infrastructure, making it private. So when you start bringing, you know, that patient side technology into the home, you know, the, the um, you know, I'm more of an advocate of, you know, providing the purpose-built devices that are locked down and, 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 and riding a private network, if you will, whether it's 4G or 5G. So I think that's still a gap and a concern in the marketplace of you know, that patient side technology and making it frictionless and user friendly so it just works, almost invisible, if you will. So, um, and then regulatory, of course, is still needs to, I think, catch up with some of the innovation that's happening in the market. Yeah. You brought up an interesting point about um, it's not always uh, access to broadband that is a patient's concern. We hear that a lot. Sometimes it's the affordability of their devices. It's yeah. the affordability of their data plans. I know for Verizon, just throwing this in there too, it's one of the reasons that you know we look we look at our acquisition of TrackPhone, for example, as as a way to innovate in the prepaid mm -hmm. phone space because we know that there are probably a lot of patient populations who are high uh, low access, high risk who may be acquiring their devices in a prepaid model and they really need innovation in that space to be able to do telehealth and um, you know, previously not been able to ride on a network like Verizon's to do that. Um, but increasingly it's about getting care near to them, not necessarily in the palm of their hand. You mentioned retail uh, and a number of others, which I think are, are interesting models and kiosk models and, and, and getting those out into community. Um, 
Where do you see, and, and you know, we've shared a, a little bit about where we think Verizon plays there, but where do you see Ver, a Verizon disrupting an accelerated connected care transformation uh, along with a, a URMC? Do you want to go first? Or you want me to jump in on that? Sure. No, I can. I mean, I can jump in from my perspective. It's it's really for us in in that population in particular, uh, social determinants of health extremely important, um, and and know it, it impacts our our patients' um, uh, outcomes, uh, and and really in those rural areas, we've had a lot of difficulty. You know, we've got great data coming in where we collect data on our patients. Um, but we don't really have the ability to connect them with partners in their local community that can help with some of those things that actually drive um, changes within the social determinants. And so I think that this partnership can really lead to uh, a breakthrough in that area. You know, I think where I'm most excited is actually the potential for 5G and, and where 5G can play. I mean, right now, you know, 5G makes sense in the inside the walls of a hospital. Um, that's where we have a lot of devices and, you know, connecting all those devices together, you know, starting there makes a lot of sense. But where I think 5G is going to be most transformative is going to be outside of the mm -hmm. walls. And, you know, as we start thinking about, you know, healthcare in the home and hospital at home, we got to think about how are we going to capture all of that data on all those IoT devices that you know we have within the hospital out into the patient's home and how do we get that data in real time back to the specialist that's assessing that patient. And so, you know, I'm actually really, really excited about the idea of, um, you know, low latency or minimal latency data transmission and um, and, and where that's going to transform healthcare. So that's that's where I'm really yeah. excited about. Yeah. I would say the data transformation piece is really critical. We certainly believe the greatest value prop around 5G, both in hospital and outside, is the ability to drive more real-time access, not just to data, but the information, the inferencing, the, the AI layered over that and giving you, you know, the insights in a more real-time way, which is pretty powerful. So let's talk about data and, and the work you're doing in terms of informatics. I'd love for you guys to talk about you know, where you're prioritizing, how you're looking at population health, social determinants of health around your informatics piece. Sure, so one of the things that we're really proud of is that we stood up in the last two years our HEART program, which stands for Health Equity Anti-Racism Technology uh, Program, which was really focused on collecting better demographic data about our patients as well as understanding social determinants. So what we wanted was a deeper understanding of the patients who were coming to see us and to be able to deliver that information to the provider at the point of care so that they're able to have that information while they're coming up with treatment plans for the patient so that they can determine, you know, hey, does this transportation issue potentially impact the care plan that I'm offering uh, to this patient? We've been really good uh, at, at kind of changing that. So when we started, our demographic data was not representative of the population that we treated yep. um, due to poor questions and, and things like that on our intake form. That was modified and now it is. And then in addition to having bad data about demographics, we had no data about social determinants of health. We have about uh, 850,000 um, active patients within our system and we had only collected social determinants information on like 2,000 of them. 
And so through this program, we've now uh, collected over 250,000 uh, complete sets of housing, food, and transportation data and information, and we deliver that right back to the provider at the point of care, um, and, and hopefully are starting to drive some impact uh, by doing that. That's great. You're leading some efforts in that regard because the American Hospital Association's environmental scan that comes out every year in, in January, and I just thought of this, um, reflected that um, most hospitals have maybe one social determinants of health program that they're beginning to launch, and, and everyone's aware of it. Obviously, the integrity of that data uh, and all of the inferencing and AI layered over it is is predicated on you having uh, that equity and inclusion data and social determinants of health get data captured. So kudos to you guys for being out ahead of that for sure. One tip that I'd like to throw out there to everybody is that the most challenging part of this was to get physicians and uh, staff comfortable with the fact that those questions were going to be asked during a clinical visit because they're like, you know, I can't, I can't provide a pill for food insecurity. Uh, and so we really had to help folks understand that you're getting information about the patient, you're considering it within the plan of care, and that's all that we're asking you to do. Solving the problem is for the health system and for the community to partner together. And so we set up other programs outside of those that were just in that initial clinic or the responsibility of the physician. And so they understood that it was kind of a team sport and a team effort uh, and that they had resources associated. And that really moved the needle for us making a, a significant breakthrough. Yep. You know, I was going to add on, speaking of partnership, I mean, that, that data that you have, that's a great point of intersection where we could come together and help overlay like our digital inclusion programs to those specific populations, even looking at things like location-based technologies to route people to the closest, most convenient places to get care or pick up their pharmacy, um, et cetera, or to a Higgy station, right, for a health check-in, a health risk assessment. So. That's really where, you know, what excites me about all this is just the collaboration. You, you bring the data and the clinical and, you know, we'll bring the technology and, and help make it all work together. And that's a great segue into the next question, which is really <laughs> to ask him, um, your thoughts on the ecosystem. There are a lot of players jumping into the space on the tech side, the startup side. Um, it, you know, obviously retail's, you know, making a big play in this area as well. There's a, you know, everyone wants to solve these big, hairy problems in healthcare, right? Um, but there are risks and benefits to doing that. You've got collaboration versus competition, innovation versus inundation. Um, I, t I tell our healthcare team all the time, we love to use the word disruptive, but I tell them use it carefully because the last thing healthcare needs is more disruption. Um, what, what healthcare really needs are, are collaborative partnerships, people who are coming in who each solve for a layer of that and build something out. So I'd love your thoughts on, on um, the the startup space, the innovation space, you know, where, where you see collaborations versus competition, because there's a little bit of both where, where you're going <laughs> to, where you're going to collaborate. There's also going to be, you know, some folks taking a run at, at, uh, you know, some of the revenue uh, yeah. cycle there, but um, thoughts there. Yeah, you know, I, I look at it more from a collaboration lens, actually, than, than a competition lens, because where we're seeing the investments from a venture capital side into startups are not in the areas that, as a health system, we've typically made investments. So where are the big investment places? Primary care, home care, behavioral health. These are the areas that a lot of startups are popping up in. Because yeah. that's those are areas ripe for disruption. Um, and that's where healthcare is moving. So when we move to value-based care, you know, 
behavioral health, primary care, home care are going to be the drivers. But most health systems, you know, we work in fee for service. And so where we have our expertise is in our subspecialty service lines, our acute care. So it actually really excites me when I see these new market entrants moving in in the startup space because it's it's pushing health systems like the University of Rochester to start to think different and partner with these collaborators versus competing with them. However, there is a lot happening in the digital uh, um, startup world. And, and it really, it was the end of 2020 and early 2021 when the market went crazy on the VC side. And you know we saw a proliferation of startups popping up for just having ideas. And there was just so much money being handed out. I think we're, we've been seeing a market correction over the last year, you know, and you know, what we're seeing is the, if you want to be successful as a startup, A, you got to have a clear value add to a health system. Um, so, so you really need to understand what are our problems in the health system? What are our pain points? In order to do that, you really need to be partnering with health systems to understand mm -hmm. that. So yeah. that's where I see an opportunity for collaboration. The other thing that startups are learning as health systems, we don't want any more point solutions. You know, our technology stack is already complicated, yeah. you know, and our, our resources both on the IT side but just financial resources are shrinking and so we can't further complicate our stack and so we're looking for platform solutions and in order to do that startups are going to need themselves to start partnering and aggregating together and I and I think you are seeing that this year and you know a lot of these startups that again you know got raised money and and end of 2020 and 2021 to be frank a lot of them are going to run out of money here soon. They're going to lose their, their runway and they're going, to, they're going to have to look for collaborators. And so that's the way we look at it. Yeah. And we love working with, with startups. They, they come at our problem from a lens that we're typically not looking at the problem through. So um, I think it's great. It's a crowded space, but there's some exciting stuff out there for sure, for sure. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I, you know, I look at it the same way, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, I think it's definitely much more collaboration than competition. I think the focus really needs to be on patient and provider experience. It's got to be great to come have care at the University of Rochester. It's got to be great to work at the University of Rochester. And so when I look at where we strategically invest in technology, like Michael was saying, we don't have an unlimited budget. We invested a ton in Epic. <laughs> And so we have to leverage our investment in Epic. And that kind of is, I, I guess I would say is table stakes. You know, yeah. every, every health system kind of has Epic and is going to do what Epic is doing. Where do we want to be different? We want to be different at being able to deliver better patient experiences and better employee experiences. And so we'll make strategic investments in a couple of areas around there, looking at platforms as opposed to point solutions, as, as Michael said. Yeah. I was going to just add, I mean, I could probably spend 24-7 just talking to different startup companies that approach Verizon and want to partner with us. Yeah. And we, we bet through a lot of that, but one of the values we can bring is helping integrate that into our network, our tech stack. So to your point, right, we, we can serve as that solutions integrator, if you will, um, to really help bring it all together and make sure it's secure on, on top of that. I uh, think the other thing we do at the University of Rochester with some of these tech startups is, is we recognize we don't have an unlimited budget right. and we can't just buy everything we want. 
So we partner with some earlier stage companies and have started to become a little bit of expert at incubating them within our system. And that's kind of a twofold partnership with me and Michael. Michael identifies the companies that really have the, the best opportunity and we put right. all of the resources of the entire university around them in the health lab to come up with a really good idea. And then we deploy within the system yeah. and, and kind of my team helps them understand how they can get deployed at scale within a health system. Um, and that provides a lot of value both ways uh, and has yeah. been really rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. Right, if you guys have vetted it, as a health system, then we certainly, that piques our interest as well, and then we can help them scale. We've found you know? that model of pulling partners uh, with health systems into an innovation lab ecosystem yep. and having the right stakeholders at the table to innovate, to validate those use cases, and for us pr yep. particularly on 5G, and then moving them out into clinical workflow has been um, the, the best uh, way to go about it. And that's, startups seem to thrive better when they're pulled into those ecosystems as well. Maybe. It has to be the right <laughs> some partner. <of> <laughs> so some, some, yes. a lot of startups yeah. are going to say, you know, I don't know if I want to you know, go work with the health system because a couple things is, A, it's going to take me a year to mm -hmm. get through the bureaucracy of the health system to even kind of go live and I don't have that amount of time. And B, you know, I don't want to end up in kind of the pilot death uh, cycle mm -hmm. um, right. um, that, that can happen with, with bigger partners. And so you have to be also thoughtful and understand as the health system that you can't do that to your startup partner. And so as Greg said, you know, we're really thoughtful about being nimble and if we find that right startup, we can move them through that bureaucracy red tape yeah. of a big health system like ours, um, you know, and, and, and that's great. And so you, 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 that helps the startup win, that helps us win and, and we derive value for, for both entities. And, um, and, and we, yes, we'll start with a pilot, but if that pilot works, we're going to scale it real quick. Well, I think that brings us to the end of our time. So uh, glad to have had this discussion. I want to thank you guys for joining us today, the URMC team. Karen, thanks for pulling alongside. Uh, great discussion. Uh, guys, come find us in booth 4048 uh, in, uh, at the Hymns show, uh, and we'll be pushing this out uh, to our podcast channels. You can subscribe to Healthcare on Air at Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts uh, if you're an avid podcast listener on any of those channels. That's where you'll find us. Thanks so much for joining us.